Hello. It's Dad. <laughs> hey, Dad. Hi. Welcome. Welcome Hi, to son. our podcast. What the F is the metaverse? <laughs> episode two. Episode two. I'm yes, excited. We've got a really exciting episode. We're going to cover news from the world of the metaverse, uh, from all different companies, and of course, to have a father and son conversation from the two different generations about all things metaverse. Uh, the title of uh, this up is Peak Buzzword. Yes. Which uh, came out of one of your texts to me, and I, I uh, think, you know, it's it's hit that with a couple different uh, announcements this week. It's amazing how many announcements are happening in just a week uh, regarding the metaverse, and that's why we thought Peak Buzzword was something we should talk about, because obviously it's becoming a peak buzzword on all kinds of levels with all kinds of players and even more importantly, all kinds of money chasing it, which of course is what's going to make whatever happens with this happen. So uh, why don't you uh, talk about the YouTube? Uh, yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> there's, yeah. So the headlines that have been going around this week is that YouTube is about to enter the metaverse. That was the headline. And <laughs> Now, if you tuned into our first episode, we discussed we, the initial question, what the F is the metaverse? My father actually gave a great kind of detailed description. And then I gave just like a two word description, um, which is just like it's the digital world. But it seems like reporters have another description for it, for it which is it's a way to get people to click on their articles. Um, yes, it's clickbait, which is peak buzzword, which is why we're talking about it. It's, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, you know, funny, you know, YouTube enters the metaverse in some ways. YouTube to me was one of the first uh, sort of like pillars of what I think of as the metaverse. Just the fact that people oh, wow. could create their own, uh, you know, their own yeah. content and share it. And uh, I was actually, I have some history with this because uh, at my company, L Squared Entertainment, uh, years before YouTube happened in the, in the early nineties, we were, creating something called is TV, the interactive sandbox, which was about people creating their own user created broadcast stations. Um, and, uh, there was, you know, full business plan. We did all kinds of work on this. We actually went on the tonight show with, uh, with a, uh, a sort of demo of it with Billy Idol singing white wedding. I mean, there's, I mean, there's all kinds of history there. I won't get into too much detail, amazing. but, uh, amazing. but, uh, oh, we, you know, will. we had We're a lot of, all... <laughs> a lot of stuff. Even his TV was part of, uh, the CAA Intel media lab, which was wow. hosted by Danny DeVito. We did the, some of the first performance animation with him. He played the studio head kind of showing the talent base, what this new, you know, this new era of uh, interactive media was going to be essentially showing them some aspects of the metaverse. And this is in, you know, the early to mid 90s after I'd made The Lawnmower Man. And then came along things like YouTube, which were, uh, you know, the people that came along, usually the people that are out there first with ideas don't necessarily get the rewards. And that sort of happened with me on some of these things, even though we did get it out there in the, in the, in, you know, in the public discussion on things like The Tonight Show. And also going on a tour with P Peter Gabriel and his WOMAD tour with something called the Future Zone. We had this thing called the Swarm Cam Fusion Station. I mean, there's so much history there. We can talk about that later. But anyway, yeah. YouTube getting into the metaverse. I mean, isn't that kind of redundant? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. That's a great point, actually. Um, well, with the specific news, so the the one of the executives at YouTube did an interview uh, with The Verge and... The Verge is getting all the metaverse interviews recently. I don't, I don't know how, but they're saying now they're going to create metaverse-focused features for YouTube. 
And so the headline is YouTube to enter the metaverse. But I'd really like to take just two minutes to unpack what that really means um, and then really let the audience decide, decide for themselves if, yes. if, if it's so revolution. Because I think the metaverse word right now is used as a, as, a, as a word to get people intrigued, to try to say, oh, well, what is that? And, and oh, that sounds like the, we're going to live our life in this digital world. And everyone kind of makes, it's almost the butt of the dinner table joke. Right. Way. Um, yeah. But when you get into what it actually is, it's much more, it's actually boring. You know, for example, the, what the actual announcement was, was that they're going to start integrating a, a feature that it's funnily enough, they already announced with Stadia, their product Stadia, which is allowing game on, on, if you're watching a gaming YouTube video, you could potentially then jump into the game so that the that the streamer is playing. So if, if someone is live streaming a video game, you could jump into their video game, which which is technically a metaverse because you're going into another digital world. But this technology was already kind of announced with Stadia and then they didn't really follow through with it completely. Um, Stadia is still around doing well, but it's, well, I wouldn't say it's doing well. It's almost like the butt of the, a lot of, a lot of jokes. Um, and then also they announced that, or they, they talked about a co-watching feature that could potentially be in development. So you can be in virtual reality and watch VR together, which honestly you can do in a lot of third party yeah, that's, VR. Yeah. I mean, Oculus came out with that as one of the first things yeah. they ever had right? Uh, exactly. In, at the Oculus one conference, you know, many right. years ago. I mean, so. I mean, you know, being in VR to watch a movie, uh, I mean, I understand, you know, there's some social component to it. Uh, but, you know, these are not what I would consider, you know, cutting edge aspects of uh, delineating the metaverse or, you know, yeah. expressing more. So, again, like you said, it's being used as a buzzword. It's being used as clickbait. It's being used as something to intrigue people because everyone is kind of saying what the F is the metaverse. You know, exactly. and and yep. that's one of the reasons we're having this this intergenerational talk here, um, because it's you know it's one thing to my generation, another thing to yours, and uh, you know, and then you know the other news this week that was very interesting was the fact that uh, Sequoia, one of the big uh, you know venture caps in in tech, uh, there's Andreessen Horowitz, Horowitz and Sequoia, and they're all kind of having big money chase this metaverse idea. And they they uh, they decided to uh, wasn't it four hundred and fifty million dollars four hundred fifty million to Polygon, yeah. which is a blockchain based Web three is what they're calling it Web three uh, platform and tech and they're the reason they said they were doing this uh, this this four hundred fifty million dollar investment was for the fact that it was going to be part of the metaverse. Now, what the hell is Web three? And the metaverse have to do with each other. We need to unpack that because there's some a lot. Again, this is creating even more confusion. You know, yeah. Web three is that the same thing as the metaverse? Is it just technology? Um, I'd love to hear. You know, because I know you follow this very deeply, Shannon. What, what's what's your description of uh, Web three? Well, it's a great, yeah, great question. I mean, so for me, it, it's the decentralized technology um, is the easy way of of describing it. But I think it, it you know deserves more information, you know, explanation than that. Um, and first of all, you know, I was involved. I mean, I remember back in 2011 talking to you, Dad, about Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> and in 2011, I was like, Dad, this this Bitcoin thing is really cool. And back then, I mean, if you had if and I wasn't talking about it as an investment. Of course, in hindsight, I was like, that would be great if it, if I had yes. invested in it. Yes. But I was think I was looking at the technology of Bitcoin itself, just 
I, yeah. I was I was interested in in the discourse that some in the technology space were having that it could, you know, essentially decentralize money, meaning money, you know, it, the technology behind Bitcoin means that it's not controlled by any one single entity. It is distributed across computers around the world on a on a shared agreement. Everyone basically says, okay, this is the this is the system that and to participate in the system, you have to do certain things. And then everyone essentially keeps each other in check. So everyone, you know, everything on, on blockchain systems. Yeah, on that's based on blockchain as a technology. The technology of blockchain allows that shared yeah. uh, that that shared aspect. And and you know, again, this is a lot of things that are extremely confusing to a lot of people. Cryptocurrency, even though there's a lot of people into it, and it's a, you know, it's become a huge thing. Although it had a big crash just oh, yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's incredibly um, confusing. Is it? But it's incredibly confusing. But what I as someone who's been in it since then, as someone who's known about it since 2010 and been studying it, I can tell everyone it's actually like it's not really something you necessarily want to invest in unless you're very high risk. But it is something that you're going to be using in your daily life in about 10 to 15 years without even having to invest in it. And that is yeah. why investors are interested in Web3, because Web3 is the buzzword that essentially encapsulates all of these decentralized technologies, whether it's blockchain, whether it's Ethereum or Solana, which are competing blockchains to Bitcoin. They use different technology to operate, you know, such as proof of stake versus proof of work. Now, these are all the coder terms. You don't have to, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, understanding this is where, all this stuff. This is, is where it gets very confusing for people, especially of my generation. And now, you I've, don't have to. And you don't have I've to. I've jumped into it a bit more than life. most, of course, but but, yeah. uh, but you're you really to. deep in it. <laughs> so. But you don't have to understand it. it yeah, you don't right. have to understand it because unless you are actually investing in it. Now, if you invest in it, you please understand it. I think that's actually the biggest problem right now is that people are investing in it when they don't understand it. And I think right. that's why it's a really bad time to get into the space. Now, you know, in terms of it, as an investor, um, you know, if you're actually investing in Bitcoin, like I would not recommend anyone do that without so much research and being ready to lose a tremendous amount of money. And I'm someone who actually made money on cryptocurrencies back in 2017. I, I made a pretty good profit um, back then. And then, of course, I saw the downturn as well. Now, for disclosure right now, I do not own any cryptocurrencies of any kind right now and or, or actually stocks either. I don't, you know, last week we talked about some stocks like Meta and Facebook um, and I want to, you know, say I don't. Yeah, we wanted to make stocks. sure that people knew that you were not, in, uh, <laughs> you know, involved Talk, with yeah. with Meta or Facebook. Even Talking in, my own uh, book. Cool. Because I was sort of I was. Yeah. And last week, if you hadn't tuned in, I was basically saying, you know, that Facebook is, is ahead in many ways in some of these areas versus Apple. But you can go back and listen to that. But back, to, you know, the Web3 is definitely similar to the metaverse in the sense that it is one of these buzzwords that is attracting a lot of investment. Now, the investment that Sequoia did into the blockchain that you mentioned, Dad. Polygon. We have Polygon. Now, that is a more nuanced investment. That's not just people investing in uh, a cryptocurrency. That's actually investing in the technology itself. So right. those investors are actually investing in the blockchain technology that powers Polygon, which has been compared to Solana and other blockchains like that, which Andreessen Hurwitz, which is a competing investor group, invested in Solana. So it's almost this sort of tit for tat between giant investor organizations. Yeah, and, and I think, look, one of the things, ways to look at Web3, yeah. and you can tell me if you agree with this or not, is that it's sort of the underlying tech infrastructure 
that the metaverse will sit upon, you know, to talk about it prosaically. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's it. And so there's the technology infrastructure, which, of course, is not fully in place for the metaverse, folks. That's just not there yet. And especially the Internet, as it's currently configured, is one fairly broken and two not you know, ready for prime time in the metaverse at all. And so these, you know, the fact that big money is going after the infrastructural aspects of the metaverse, uh, which are going to be based in other technologies that are confusing, like blockchain, uh, you know, and, and decentralization in general, that aspect of that, that sort of layer, a foundational layer of tech is going to, you know, draw a lot of the big money initially. But the fact it is, is a huge point for showing that the metaverse is actually being constructed. I think. Yeah. What do you think? I totally, I agree. I agree. I mean, you know, people, it's easy to say, oh, all of these technologies, it's like, oh, if I don't understand it at first and there's a lot of scammers in the space initially, it all must be a scam. It's, it's all some kind of like thing. It's all just people trying to make money off of hype. But right. if, if and and there is a level of that, like too, in the NFT world, the NFT yes. world, which is connected to blockchain, which is connected yes. to decentralization, you know, it essentially is a kind of of crypto value. Um, yeah. You know, it's well, that it's there's been a lot yeah. of scamming in that, but there's also been legitimate things. True. It's true. And what's interesting is that amidst all of the and also the environmental impact of cryptocurrencies, we have to talk about the environmental impact, which is you know being trying to be figured out by some organizations and groups but it's a long way off and so while these technologies they have a lot of problems to them as a technologist myself and I really I'm like a student of technology I don't I don't want to be come off as an expert of technology I I just grew up with this stuff I was almost taught by the internet taught by technology yeah. itself and that's why what I, what I share on this podcast is not me you know, coming to defend it in any way, because sometimes I, I sort of come off, I, I realize I'm almost like, wait, am I sounding like I'm defending technology? It's like, well, there's actually a lot of really bad th- negative second order effects. But well, you know, order, and the, the I, irony I is that on the positive ones, because yeah. <laughs> because I've been a student of technology and I see the potential. And, I, yeah. and, and the fact of the matter is we live in a world on our phones, no matter how much you rail against, you know, Technology yes. and social media and the metaverse—it's coming no matter what. The metaverse exactly, is and, and that you know that's yeah. that's been part of my what I've been talking about. Again, you know, I've traveled the world speaking at conferences about virtual reality and all that because I, you know, ironically told cautionary tales about virtual reality. And so you grew up with someone telling cautionary tales about this stuff, and yet I'm also very enthusiastic about the potential positives uh, that are there in in, you in keep relation me grounded. to. You keep me yeah, and, 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 and look, I think <laughs> it's incumbent upon all of us that are interested in this and they're going to be creators in it that are going to be, you know, really working within it as a medium to really focus on the fact that it's a very powerful thing, this idea of the metaverse and that it needs to yeah. be, you know, it needs to be something that looks at what is the benefits to humankind as opposed to, you know, just making it another industry that's connected to, you know, rapacious capitalism. Um, and that, that's, you know, still what's driving it right now. I mean, you know, $450 million into, into Polygon. I mean, you know, the, the Microsoft acquisition of, of, uh, uh, you know, the, the gaming company that 70 billion, I mean, this is, this is big money that's chasing all of these things and there's a reason. And when big money chases things, things do happen. Things do get built. 
And so Apple's, you yeah, know, what, Apple's building as well. They're all yeah. building. And They're so gonna, what, yeah. And so the idea is you, if you build it, they will come, but you know, there is a lot still to be looked at about how this interfaces with human reality, how it affects human communication and engagement with the political system, with each other, with human intimacy. Um, these are the things that really need to be looked at, kind of almost like the rituals of the metaverse, which, you know, we don't really have a lot of very cogent rituals around the nascent metaverse, which is all the social media and the Internet as it is now, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. It's somewhat of, a, you know, massive chaos, kind of a Tower of Babel. And it's What's creating- interesting, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I, but I get there is so many, so many ways to filter that. And I don't know, I, I'm someone who absorbs all this information and I just, I like, oh gosh, I just see that it, it can to continue to expand and take over. I mean, for example, Web3, I think Web3 is actually, despite all the things we mentioned about it, which are very true, you know, the negative sides of Web, I think it's still, it actually is, it has to be in many ways, the foundation of the metaverse because yes. it, it, it actually guarantees and creates what ownership in the digital space and um you know that's usually tied to nfts ownership in the digital space but it's also through currency currency ownership proof of ownership um and and this is a world where you won't be buying nfts to invest in them you will just be automatically being given an nft when you go into a certain area to flag that you are now a participant in that space so it's all going to happen without you even needing to know what an nft is in 10 years 20 years there'll be a lot of lightweight headset AR. You really think it's going to be AR. 10 to 20 yeah. years? I think it could be happening much faster than that. True. Uh, I guess I, I, you know what? It's funny because I say that because just to be safe. <laughs> right, sure. But course. you're right. I mean, actually, Dad, I, there was something I wanted to tell you, which is that something happened recently, which I think is interesting for this dynamic between you being someone who basically, you know, popularized the term virtual reality in many ways with your film, yeah. The Lawnmower Man, and two years before I was born. Yeah. Um, and then now, uh, <laughs> now today, I'm actually going into the metaverse or virtual reality almost every day now. I know. And it's, but I, that's crazy. Is a new thing for it's me. A very it's a crazy thing. thing. <laughs> it is, but it, it's actually only happened within the last few months because right. I've had right. an Oculus Quest, or it's actually it's a Meta Quest. We have to talk about that too briefly before <laughs> the final part of this podcast is going to be a memoriam for Oculus. <laughs> Right. Which is yeah, which... going away and changing, you know, Meta is now decommissioning the Oculus brand. But um, but I digress. The What I was saying is that the Meta Quest 2 headset, which is the, one of the most popular, if not the most, it is the most popular VR headset to be ever created. It, it really was the number one uh, uh, gift of the holiday season in 2021, over 10 million sold. I didn't really even use it. For, I've had it for over a year. And I didn't right. use it every day. I think I would use it once a week. I would use yeah. it maybe, you know, maybe twice a week at most, sometimes going for a month without using it. That was for the first year. In the past few months, something has changed, and that is the developer community. Yeah. There's some experiences such as Zenith, The Last City, which is a massively multiplayer online game. But it's in virtual reality. In, right. right. In virtual reality. Which yeah. is basically what they did is they created a whole new world where you can go into and the day they've really gone in depth with it and, and created something that is actually it's it's compelling, but it's one of the first compelling experiences. There's you know, despite all the hype around 
VR. There's not actually that many compelling experiences. No, as a matter of fact, now, that's one of the biggest yeah. biggest disappointments for me is that there hasn't been much that has really captured the popular imagination to a large degree. And I've always Until been talking now. about for many years now this idea of creating story worlds, virtual story worlds, where yeah. the virtual experience will, will you know be curated by story, character, and emotion, and that you'll be drawn into something that has the emotional engagement of a great movie, but you'll have agency within it. Now, obviously, a massive multiplayer on you know online role playing game is somewhat like that, but doesn't really have necessarily the same emotional engagement of a true narrative, even though there is narrative in there. And some, some people would argue with that, but you know, it's still more game logic gameplay than it is narrative. And I, I want to find that undiscovered country between game logic and linear narrative. That is true interactive narrative in a story world. Now I think Zenith is one of the things that, uh, you know, that, that Starting actually that. gets close to yeah. creating that in, in at least a, a, a bit of a, a way that's compelling enough, you know? I'm never, yeah, I'm not really a gamer. I'm not someone who plays MMOs, really. Or I'm a casual gamer, like on my phone and, and stuff like that. You know, I'm casually, for sure. But this, it's different when you go into this physical space. And and what they've done is, is kind of done, yeah, what you just said, a traditional version. And what's interesting about what you said, if if you really listen to the words you were saying is, is that there's room for innovation in this space where oh. of actual storytelling itself, like the, the way that you yes. tell stories in reality, so to speak, is what, whether it's virtual or real reality is different than you tell stories on the, on the static flat linear screen. And, and that's, you know, not immersive. So it's, it's interesting. It's, it's definitely a, a, so much innovation to be had, but it, it's got to be the developers. That's why I think Meta is ahead of Apple in a really big way, because they have the developer community already on the Oculus slash Meta, rest in peace, Oculus, no longer Oculus. Yeah, so let's talk about that since yeah. you brought it up. So, so, yeah, you know, Oculus has basically been the term that has meant virtual reality for a lot of people in the mainstream, because, when Mark Zuckerberg yeah. gave, you know, bought Oculus for $2 billion from Palmer Lucky. And uh, Palmer had come out and talked about the laundromat a bit. And so that set me off on a lot of the, my recent phase of being involved with, uh, with virtual reality. Really came out of the creation of Oculus in many ways. Um, you yeah. know, it, and, and, and the term Oculus is a very cool word. And it's kind of kind of been the coolest word associated with VR in this whole new era of VR. And, uh, and now it's just meta. And so, and there's been a lot of people that have been upset by that, hasn't there? Yes. There, every comment that I've seen is people being really sad whenever, you know, the meta team posts an update about the meta quest Two is, you know, that's the new name. So it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting, but I, it's almost like, at the end of the day, the technology will persevere and the technology is, is so good. But I agree with you. I think it, it warrants a moment of a moment of podcast thought. Memoriam. It, it, yeah. Oculus, the, 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 the title Oculus and the brand Oculus, a moment of memoriam for Oculus. There you go. And what is <laughs> Apple going to do? I think Apple could have a chance. Absolutely. Because they're so good at being slow and then coming out with a product later that then takes over, you know, yeah. if, but I, what's different, what I feel like is different about AR and VR is that it's much more, it's almost more of like a hacker space. It's much more of like the, the move fast and break things 
which Facebook has changed to move fast and build things. Right. <laughs> they right. changed their motto to that. But still, it's more. Yeah, because they moved fast and they broke American democracy. So. Oh, uh. mic drop, mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But gosh, I mean, and I, I think there's actually we need input from all different political spectrums on the metaverse. Absolutely. Well, I think it's one of the biggest yeah. blind spots, Shannon. I think. We're, again, I'm going to tell her cautionary tales. And, you know, I believe that how this will affect human organizations like the government, like yeah. the fact of voting, all going to have a huge impact, massively disrupted by people truly engaging in the metaverse as a major part of their lives. I and that's so something obviously we're going to unpack in further podcasts, yeah. you know. I think so uh, many people can't even imagine that they they're they're not at the like for it has only taken me till now like you brought me to the Stanford VR laboratory what yes. was it how many years ago that must have been over five years ago yes um, and over five years ago and it has taken me until now to fully see the potential and I've been using it you know fairly frequently until now and yes the developer tools are better and it's it's all moving in that direction but I still think. It's interesting to me that people don't quite understand. There's a disconnect between where the technology is yeah, Jordan and where Milton, the discourse is. He, he runs that lab and, and uh, is one of the pioneers in VR again. You know, he actually did a book called uh, Experience on Demand that I have a chapter in. Um, oh, wow. But uh, yeah, and, and it's, you know, that Stanford lab is an amazing place of innovation. But the innovation is just beginning. And the bringing of human emotion and human story and character into the into the metaverse, into the you know virtual experience, into virtual story worlds, however you want to describe it, is just beginning. I mean, I made a movie that hasn't even been finished yet called Hollywood Rooftop, which was shot both in the metaverse, I mean, both in VR and in traditional cinema. And I'm combining the two, again, just as a process experiment for how do we bring story into this immersive, you know, sort of world? How do we create that experience in a way that's compelling. And, you know, uh, that project is, is really a project that was backed by Seek, Mary Spio of Seek, which is Seek is a, you know, very innovative company in the space doing musical, mostly musical experiences in VR. And, uh, you know, there's, these are all niche things right now. And, you know, but that kind of, you know, sort of exp uh, experimentation of the immersive new wave, that's what I was calling what I was doing with uh, Hollywood Rooftop, is really important because we don't know how this is going to work yet. And like you said, we need to bring a lot of multidisciplines to the to to really talk about this because it's going to change and shift things in ways that could be disruptive in ways that we don't want, just like what's happened with social media, with all these other aspects of the Internet, which, in my mind, have been the precursors of the metaverse. Yeah, okay, I'm as someone who's been using it almost every day. I'm just warning everyone that it's coming. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's, it's it's if it's, you discount it. As I've heard a lot of actually people that I respect. You know, last episode I mentioned Jason Calcanis and Molly Wood. You know, talking about how Facebook employees should quit because. And actually, I want to clarify. I, I emotionally I understand, and morally I agree with them, and I agree with them uh, on on that point completely. Like, yes, the, that that company. If if you don't agree, like, absolutely. You should leave. But as a student of technology, I'm looking at what they're building. And it's almost like maybe it's a warning. Maybe it's a prediction. I don't know what. But it's like what they're doing is very, very high. Like it's 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 very far along and it's it's going to capture the human attention just like Instagram did, just like TikTok is doing. 
you know, if you discount the metaverse, then you have to also discount the iPhone because the iPhone is an extension of the metaverse. And I don't think anyone is willing to discount the iPhone. So no, I agree. We're, we're I agree. moving, we're moving towards this world. And, and so I think these, yeah. you know, again, you know, it's funny because when, when I, you know, when I made as sort of a final thought for this one, I, when I made the lawnmower man, you know, it says uh, by the turn of the millennium, uh, technology known as virtual reality will be taking over. I mean, that obviously was very early uh, and it didn't happen. But actually, in a way, it did happen. It happened with all of the social media, with the iPhone, with things yeah. that 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 kind of started to create, which I believe are the foundations of the metaverse experience, the training wheels, essentially, of the metaverse experience. And look how disruptive they have been. Look how chaotic. Uh, and you know, there were a couple of years there when they first came out when it was, it felt like, boy, this is a really amazing, positive thing for human communication. And then things kind of, the worm kind of turned. And so I, well, I just think, well, I got to say though, for my generation, yeah, it, it, the social media is not, uh, you know, there's so many different angles to this. And while there is parts of social media that have had negative impacts on, on culture, you've mentioned several of the yeah. impacts that social media has had for the creator economy. And for people who are taking back ownership of their time and and they're and creating things like YouTubers, the whole profession of YouTubers, they don't see social media as a negative thing. They don't, you know, yes, there's sinister aspects to these technologies, but I don't think by and large there it's a net negative effect. I think it's more of a neutral. I think I the jury, I, I think as, as yeah. many in my generation, I think the jury's out. <laughs> I think that oh, we need to yeah, I don't be know, very well, vigilant. We need to be very vigilant on on look what, at, look what at even what how, um, look at what you're you're doing every day. Are you spending time on your phone? Are you using these technologies to actually make your life better? And many yes. times you are, and so that is the the positive impact. We have to talk about yeah, the yeah. negative it, it, as well. There are individual positive impacts, but there's a larger societal impact that is is also there that needs to be looked at, and that's going to be even more exponential when the metaverse itself becomes a true full immersive digital world. Yeah. Obviously, we're going to be diving into a lot of these things on this podcast as we talk in this intergenerational dialogue about what the F is the metaverse. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to premiere a, uh, a sign-off that I'm going to use. It's very simple. Um, I'm just going to say at the end of these podcasts, love you, son. I love yeah. you too, Dad. For anyone wanting to support, you can give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, and also check out our Substack, and we're going to be recording every week. Special thanks to Greg Leonard, who produced the original theme music for What the F is the Metaverse.